This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. And I want to give a huge shout out to some of our new patrons. Laurel V, Neil J, Cassandra M, Chris C, Kathy K, Alexis P, and Zebulon K. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I have so many things yeah. I want to discuss. Um, really quick yes. before that. Um, it's Pride Weekend in Aurora this weekend, so if anybody is going, shoot me a tweet, and like maybe I'll see you there or something like that. Are you going to Pride? You're not going. There, to, you I'm don't not go going to outdoors public. with kids. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Anyway, but let's go. Have fun at the parade. I will. It's supposed to rain, which will be great. There you Last go. year was 98 degrees, oh, so Jesus like Christ. this is okay. probably better. Here's a question for you. Yes. Let's say. You were in front of a giant crowd, uh-huh. and they said, hey, by the way, Donald Trump is going to be here, and you have to say a few words uh, to the crowd. This is a nonpartisan event, uh-huh. but they brought him in, and they're like, he's going to come here. What do you say to this assembled crowd? Really and truly, it's like my waking nightmare that something like that happens. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what if Donald Trump showed up at a place and, like, I can't like you're at one of your games and right. you're about to play right. for an audience. There's right. a crowd there, and then they're like, "Hey, by the way, here's Donald Trump. Can you just say a few words before the game begins?" Yeah. What do um, you say to the crowd? Donald Trump is the worst American who ever is and ever has been, and I can't believe he's here. I am not threatening him. <laughs> just want him to know I hate him. Right. So. I feel I would like be very clear that I was not a physical threat to Donald Trump. That's a good start. I do start. not want to be shot. That's a good start. So here's what happened uh, last weekend. Okay. This is, I think, a day or two after that horrible mass shooting in Virginia Beach. Uh-huh. Donald Trump was playing golf because, of course, he was. And then they realized, hey, there's a church next door. Quick photo op here. So they tell the pastor, his name is David Platt of McLean Baptist Church. Uh-huh. Hey, uh, be, while you're doing your Sunday service, Trump is about to stop by. Uh, can you pray with him? And that's it. And where did you say this was? This is in Virginia. In, very oh, close. So it's in Virginia. Yeah, oh, very close to Virginia yikes. Beach. Uh, in theory, I think what he said they told him is, can you pray about the shootings? Sure. Stuff like that. And, you know, if you're being cynical, which I think we have a right to be, it's a photo op because <laughs> yeah. otherwise he wasn't doing jack for and, those victims. Yeah. And so it's anyway. A thing presidents always do and always will yes. do. Yes. Yeah. Barack Obama sang Amazing Grace uh-huh. and he took time out of the 14th hole to stop by church yeah. for a photo. So and then brave. I assume he goes back to golf. <laughs> okay. Anyway, he shows up at the church. And what do you do if you're David Platt, this pastor? He basically said... A generic prayer, like, we thank you for, you know, we hope God blesses you. We, we, it's a generic Christian prayer mm-hmm. that by itself could not be indistinguishable from any other prayer you would give on any other day. Uh-huh. And that was it. And then Trump, le- like, the guy had his Bible out. He puts his hand on Trump's shoulders, mm-hmm. says the prayer, leaves. It was absolutely not controversial okay. in any sense of that word. Uh-huh. And then Trump left, and they moved on with life. And then the pastor starts getting backlash. Oh. Why do you think the pastor starts getting backlash? Um, I don't know if that's pr- a fair question for me to ask 
you yeah, out of here? Yeah, because I'm wondering if it's from pro-Trump or anti-Trump people. It's kind of from both. Yeah. Um, Pro-Trump, I don't know that he got a lot of flack from pro-Trump people because they got the photo op they wanted. Right. But the anti-Trump people, and that includes a lot of Christians, yeah. got really mad at this guy because um, he has standard conservative Christian views. Uh-huh. That's like I'm sure he's against gay people. I'm sure he's against abortion rights. I'm a, like that. That wouldn't surprise me. Sure. Um, but they said there's plenty of things Trump has done that even evangelical Christians ought to be against. Right. And Trump is standing right in front of you. You said nothing about the refugees uh. that he's putting in cages, the kids he's putting in cages. You said nothing about all the myriad things that you could have said. Like, we pray for you to take seriously your job and to help kids. Uh-huh. And you could say that in a way that's not condemning the guy if you uh-huh. want to be polite about it. Uh-huh. But, like, he didn't say any of that. They didn't even openly talk about the victims. They didn't even say, like, let's pray for the victims. They just kind of gave a standard prayer. So, basically, here's this big opportunity. Trump's coming to your church. What are you going to say? And this is a guy who has openly said, I am not a political pastor. Uh I don't want to play the the Jerry Falwell game. I'm saying that, not him. But he doesn't want to be political. But if you're not being political when Trump is in front of you, that's a choice you have made. Yes. And that's a choice saying whatever you're saying about racism and sexism and bigotry and all this stuff you've done, the both sidesism, all that, uh-huh. none of that bothers me enough for me to speak out about it yeah. the moment you're right in front of me. You're- and that's the choice this pastor chose to make. Yeah, you're tacitly endorsing him if you're not. I don't know. Uh, yes. Like, it's one thing for random schmo in the congregation to not say anything. Right. But the pastor's the one who the cameras are going to be on, and you know people are going to see this clip. And as a Christian, even if you don't want to get political, you don't have to say, like, I hope you suddenly find your way around abortion rights. Sure. No, but you can say, like, I hope you stop being a bigot. I no, I would say that. I hope yeah. I hope you remember to do what's best for the least of these. I hope you care for yeah. marginalized people and do the shit Jesus would do. You could say all of that yeah. and not, in theory, piss off a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And he chose not to. Uh, Ruth Graham, writing for Slate, said, declining to mention politics is itself a political act. And public prayer consists of much more than the text of its message. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. chimed in because, of course, he did. Got shit the to Liberty say. University guy, and he said, "Pastors like Platt quote need to grow a pair." Whoa! <laughs> and then he deleted that because even he knew he went too far. Uh, Platt actually ended up posting a pseudo apology on his church's website, where he said. He didn't apologize. He didn't use that word. Yeah. That's why I say pseudo. But he said, sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we didn't see coming and we're faced with the decision in a moment when we don't have the liberty of deliberation. Blah, blah, blah. I love every member of this church. I only want to lead us with God's word in a way that transcends political party and position, Mm -hmm. heals the hurts of racial division and injustice, and honors every man and woman made in the image of God But again, I'm reading that and I'm like, transcending political party means you don't care about the racism that the Republicans are endorsing right now. And you didn't care enough about it to speak up about it, because I'm sure you have some black people in your church. I'm sure you have women in your church who have been hurt by the sexist things he said and done. Yeah. Like plenty of intersection in there, too. And you defended none of them. Mm -hmm. You went with the, oh, I'll just not step on any toes. And by doing that, no, you just let 
Trump continue acting? What's the saying? Like, first they came for these people and I said nothing. Well, here's a guy who had the opportunity and said nothing. Yeah, listen, I don't think you're... How much prep did he need to realize racism is bad? The thing... Okay, listen. Defend him for me. I'm not defending him (laughs) because I agree with everything you're saying, but I don't think this dude is the guy we need to be mad at right now. Yeah, he's not the culprit. He's he's not... Like, listen, like, did he do the wrong thing? Yeah. Did it actively damage people? Probably not. I mean, he yes, he had the option to be the to be a hero. He had the option to speak truth to power, and he didn't take it. Does that make him a bad guy? No. Does it make him cowardly? Yeah. I, but like, that's fair. He's I not went the back villain to, in our story. I went back to how many Republicans have done the exact same thing, where they're like, oh, I don't, I'm not endorsing the stuff Trump is doing. Oh, have you actively spoken out against it? Yeah. No, they would never do that. Yeah, like, it's like a whole congregation full of Jeff Flakes right. who are like, oh, yeah, that's bad. Oh, you have the power to change that. Yes. Oh, no, I would never do yeah, anything Yeah, I think we need it. to focus our ire on the Mitch McConnells of the world who are actively yeah. helping Trump get his garbage done as opposed to, like, listen, we can be out of this guy he can be flavor of the week i mean it's a lot to ask a a pastor at the last minute to think of like a subtle way to like you didn't have to be dunk on your president in front of him that's a lot to ask of a person talking in front of the most powerful man in the world i will i will agree i agree to some of that like no he's not the bad guy and he was thrust in a situation that, like, I'm sure that was a tough decision. It's an unenviable position to Unenviable, be in. for sure. That said, how either aloof or, like, ignorant of the issues do you have to be yeah. to say, oh, you know what? If he's coming here, I should just say nothing about anything that this church ever talks about. Like, what does this church do on a weekly basis if not but saying racism is but bad? But we know is bad. that churches are still supporting Trump. Like, what do we know anything about this if, guy? The one thing that I've read about this guy is he is actively trying not to be political. Which is an, an insanely privileged place to yes. be in. But... But it's not like this guy is giving anti-Trump lectures every week and then Trump shows up and he's a bootlicker. Like, See, this is where I, I, I... You're right, he doesn't talk about it, but when you probably... I'm going to make an assumption here. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty solid on it. Uh-huh. How every week, all of his sermons, how often does he talk about we need to help the poor? We need to do yeah, so good the for other people. evangelicals, and they still voted for is. him en masse. Yes. Oh, he is an no, evangelical? He is an evangelical. Then what are we expecting of these people? Because like, when he says... They have shown who they are time and time again. They're never going to stand up for but Trump. This, but this isn't a pastor Trump. who said, I'm for Trump, as some of them very well have done openly. He's someone who says, no, I care about the stuff Jesus did. I care about helping the poor and the the marginalized and whatnot. And here's the biggest person in the world who is hurting those groups. And this guy said, Jack. And then his pseudo apology is, I didn't have a lot of time to deliberate. What do you do for a living? All you do is deliberate (laughs) on these things. Do you know how much time he had? A couple of hours, I think. I don't know. Like it wasn't two seconds. Here's Trump, by the way. He's an evangelical pastor. What do you expect of him? Even if he talks about if you said he was poor. an evangelical, what do you expect? I may give you, but he's a pastor. Like I don't even know if it's a megachurch, but it's a big enough congregation that the president <laughs> is stopping by. He's someone whose job 
is to put this stuff in but words so, like, and talk about this. In theory, this. that's every church leader, and we see them miss that mark time and time again. This guy at least isn't like physically abusing people. Like no, in the grand no, no, no. scheme of political villains and church villains, <laughs> why is this guy the one we're all dunking on? Because I, I think it goes back to what you said about this guy being so privileged that he thinks if I just say nothing, no one not will be mad new. at me. We, we've known that for years. But if I put you in that situation, yeah, you would I'm say a some shit. Bitch. Right. He's and, not a loud bitch. But you but he gets he's going off and saying, like, I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. You did ruffle feathers by not saying something and defending people. Yes, and he completely misjudged that. He he failed it's, to realize that like at, like inaction is an action, right? right. Like a, a failure to do something right. is an action. But it's he like was, when Trump he goes, was doing self-protection. He didn't want to ruffle any feathers. He didn't want his... <laughs> if he's stayed out of politics as much as only a white guy can do, <laughs> then, yeah, this is exactly what we should have expected of some... Listen, if you're a person who says, I'm not political, we're not expecting you to turn into, like, the fucking, like, Mr. Deeds goes to Washington... Deeds? Mr. Sure. Smith okay, goes remember. to Washington guy and give this impassioned speech on why government is corrupt. Like, why are we expecting this of this fucking remember, nobody in Virginia? Remember during the campaign when Trump appeared on Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Fallon's like, hey, ruffled hey, his hair, ruffled his hair. Yeah, and every, and people got pissed off because it's like, dude, do you, you know, you have women and gay people on your staff. You know what he said about Mexicans. This yeah. is during the campaign. So he hadn't done political stuff but he talked about it all he said a bunch of shit and here's an opportunity you have where he's in front of you to ask him and put him to task and i know fallon is like he's not a political guy what does it say that i hold jimmy fallon to a higher standard than a church pastor what does that mean (laughs) but again it's the same action which is you have this guy in front of you who said all this stuff how little do you have to care for you to be like, let me just mock your he hair. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. And that was the attack. And by the way, he's Fallon's at least apologized for it. Yeah. This pastor has not. He's like, ah, I got put in a bad situation. Ah. What? Uh, no, really and God. truly. An evangel- How many people? No, have it. An evangelical pastor. What the fuck are you expecting from him? I'm ex- Where if, is this expectation? If he says. What in history has told you that that an evangelical pastor is going to be the hero of our story. What are you Generic evangelical pastor, you're right. Very low standard. I don't expect them to do anything useful in the general sense of the word. But for a guy to go and tell the world, my job, my, my whole life is dedicated to following Christ and doing what Christ would do and telling other people to be more Christ-like and to accept him. Oh, here's your big chance. Tell Trump to be more Christ-like. No, I can't do that. The cameras are on me. I just think it's... Like, God, how useless are you? The most useless. That's what I'm saying. I just think it's so naive for us to all of a sudden think that, like... He's not a random dude. That's what pisses me off. You had people watching. You would have had more people watching had you actually said something useful. And it's like the guy whose job it is to get in front of the crowd and rile them up about doing good for Jesus basically shirks Listen, away at the responsibility the first moment anyone gives a shit about what he says. If Trump shows up at a Unitarian church or like a, a progressive Christian church that's like pro-gay rights, yes, that is what I, I expect them to use that platform responsibly. I don't expect this guy to use his platform responsibly. I have no expectations for this man, so he cannot disappoint me. I will not let another <laughs> random dude disappoint me. What was that guy's name? David Platt. Um, it's been interesting to see people, because 
the conversation we're having is the one a lot of Christians have had as well, where it stems from he wasn't sufficiently kowtowing to Trump to he had the opportunity and he didn't take it to he, what did you expect? Because, what did you expect? Um, coming from other Christians, defending him, saying like, come on, if you were in that position... I know what I would say in that position or a general sense of what uh-huh. I would want to say. But you would also never say, oh, I'm not into politics. Like, that's not in your DNA. Like, that is right. never something right. that you, Hemet Meta would do. again, going back to what you said, saying that you are above it all, you're transcending politics, you don't care about politics, that is something very few people get to do because the yes. other people are affected by what Trump does. Yes. He didn't give a shit about any of, of them. Of course he didn't. Yeah. I'm just surprised that you're surprised. <laughs> I'm that's kind I'm, of where I'm if, coming at. Like what? I would have felt better if, if this guy said he's a Trumpist and he supports Trump's policies, but he doesn't. He and he said that does and oh. just doesn't do it publicly. Which is again privileged yeah, and upsetting. No, and, I think we can both agree this guy's the fucking pits, but I'm just like baffled by the fact and that then he got used even for the photo op surprised. Oh. Of course he did. Of course. You're right. I don't know what we're totally arguing about, but I'm still mad at the guy. I mean, him be and mad at the guy, but like. Jesus Christ, like... (laughs) Okay, legit thing to be mad about. Oh, God. This week, the Trump administration, the Health and Human Services, Alex Azars, the secretary, they announced new restrictions on federal research involving fetal tissue. (sighs) And the quick background on this is when women have an abortion and that tissue is there, it's going to be discarded. It's going to be thrown away. Mm -hmm. But they have an option to like sign off and say, yeah, use it if you need it for research purposes. Yeah. Because otherwise it's going in the trash. It's like, do you want to be an organ donor? Mm -hmm. They're only going to take your organs if you're already dead. Right. Like, of course you should say yes. There is literally no reason for you to say no because if something horrible happens and you're young and your organs would still be good otherwise, someone else can, you could save a life. Your other option is being selfish and saying, no, I'm keeping them because, ew. I want them to disintegrate with me. Right, like it's totally a selfish position. So again, your choice is throw it in the trash, or use it for research. And the Trump administration said, we're not going to let you use it for research, at least when it's federally funded. And what that means in practice is if you're a scientist at the National Institutes of Health, you cannot conduct research with fetal tissue. And there were a few people doing research with Mm -hmm. fetal tissue. And now the burden to convince people that you've got to use it for the research you're doing is like, has gotten much bigger. Um, the government had a contract with the University of California to study HIV, which could only be done, according to those researchers, with fetal tissue. They're going to cut that off yeah. entirely, uh, since the government was the only source of that funding. Uh, I think the rule is, like, if you're already using it, you could keep using it, but we're not giving you any more. Yeah. Um, and again, the only justification from even the Trump perspective, their administration's perspective, is this is somehow anti-abortion or like we're going to prevent abortions by doing because i guess they think what either women are getting paid to give the fetal tissue or that fewer abortions will occur if they put this restriction in place that's not how it works like there's no reason to do this other than to let white evangelicals think yeah we saved some lives here yeah to me no you're killing more people because scientists can't use it to save real lives yeah to me it's roughly the equivalent of being like if somebody dies in a drunk driving accident, their organs can't be used to save somebody else. Right. And that way we'll cut down on drunk driving. Like, yeah, it's the logic not, there 
doesn't that's make not how any, any of that works. Uh, one of the a professor who specializes in public health law at Georgetown said the new restrictions would affect everything, quote, from cures for cancer and HIV through to Parkinson's and dementia. The ban on fetal tissue research is akin to a ban on hope. The t- wow. uh, he also said, I'm um, sorry, this is the article saying this, the tissue is used to test drugs, develop vaccines, study cancer, AIDS, Parkinson's, birth defects, blindness, and other disorders. For much of that work, scientists say there is no substitute for fetal tissue. Cool. I remember one of the first, before 9-11 happened, and I was in high school and I was somewhat politically cognizant of what was happening, mm-hmm. the one thing I remember George W. Bush doing is going on primetime television and making a speech saying, basically, we're doing the same sort of restriction on stem cell research. Yeah, I remember that, too. Um, and it was stupid, because there's no scientific reason for what he was doing. It was just slowing down progress or making these scientists find funding elsewhere. Like, it just served to create an obstacle for people who were doing good work and didn't help anybody. Right. But of course, that's what you expect from Republicans because they don't give a shit about science. This is that, but it's even worse because they're saying this as if it's some lofty, we're saving the babies, which actually I think that is what Bush did too in, 2000, mm-hmm. in 2001. Um, by the way, 66% of Americans say it's morally acceptable to conduct medical research using stem cells from human embryos. Um, like people yeah, are fine with the scientists. Americans' opinions don't really matter much anymore. That is true, um, but this is what happens when you elect scientifically illiterate administrators mm-hmm. because they let right-wing Christians dictate public policy. Yep, and that's all this is. Like the only people celebrating this are like right-wing Christian groups who are like, "Yay, we saved babies!" No, you didn't. Super did. You're going to make more people suffer in yep. the name of whatever the hell you believe in. Yep. It's such. Oh. It's bad. Would you like a fun story? That wasn't a fun one. Okay, what you got? (laughs) So there is a Christian group that uh, when they heard that... There's a group of Christians, I should say. I don't think they're an established Mm -hmm. group. When um, So over the last few um, weeks, months, we've seen a lot of states enact really bad abortion, uh, abortion restrictions, most notably of which is Georgia. Georgia, as we've talked about before, is sort of like its own tiny little Hollywood in the southeast. Um, They give huge tax credits if you're filming there. Yeah, so a lot of shows you'll see uh, will film there. But with this, uh, when this passed, this heartbeat bill passed in Georgia, Netflix, Hulu, and Disney, Disney Plus, they've all announced that they would reconsider working in Georgia after the abortion ban. So good for them. They are allowed to talk with their money. They said they might. They might move their productions they, they, they to other recon- cities. They would, they would consider reconsider it. it. Yeah. Like, they didn't say anything definitive, and we don't even know if this thing is going to pass. Like, it, it's probably not going to. Um, but this uh, <laughs> this group said, quote, that declaration has caused many avid Netflix subscri- subscribers to cease giving money to an organization that openly and actively supports the support supports the aborting of unborn babies. So far, now, I think this is maybe, like... Like, they're monsters, but this is the cutest thing I've ever read. So far, the campaign indicates that Netflix is losing $3,500 as a result of the action taken by many to cancel their subscriptions. Oh, that's adorable. So... (laughs) Oh, they lost three seconds of their lowest rated show. So I did some math, and um, I used the most current numbers that they posted in terms of, like... 
what so they like started this petition and on this petition let me tell you about this petition because this one pissed me off too before you get to the number the website is called red petition yeah dot uh, com and if you go there it's it says fill out our survey i filled out the survey it says if you're uh, are you going to cancel your netflix subscription because of the fact that they might pull out of Georgia uh-huh. and tell them which tier of Netflix subscriptions you have. So I said, yeah, the priciest one. <laughs> then they said, are you going to cancel Hulu? And I'm like, oh, sure. I yeah, didn't know anyone Hulu. was there. All right. And then they said, are you going to cancel Disney Plus? I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> By the way, Disney Plus doesn't exist yet. And there's a big <laughs> footnote uh, asterisk that says... Uh, listen, we know it doesn't go live until November, but like, were you thinking about doing Disney Plus and now you're not going to do Disney Plus? That counts as one of ours. Because that counts as one of us. Mind you, so I filled it all out. I'm like, yeah, I'm canceling the most expensive everything and I submitted it. They don't ask for receipts that you canceled Netflix. This is all you said you are. So I guess that counts as a win. So it could be a a thousand headed meta. Yes. (laughs) So, um, so I found their most updated um, their, their numbers that they say, this is what work costs. This is what it costs Netflix to be pro-abortion. Yeah. Um, and as of Wednesday, um, they are costing Netflix $114,000. Now I went into Forbes <laughs> and <laughs> Netflix is worth $15.5 billion <laughs> as of May 15th, 2019. Uh-huh. So that cost them 0.0007%. It's like three seconds of Stranger Things uh-huh. is what it cost them. And by the way, that doesn't count all the people who might subscribe to Netflix because they're taking sure. this stance. Which, like, it's, it's j- unless you're, like, on your parents' or your, like, old roommate's, subs- like, Netflix subscription, like, guys, what are you doing? Sign up. It's the best. Anyway, Hulu, next. They cost Hulu $34,000. I didn't know Hulu had that kind of money. Uh, <laughs> Hulu is worth $9.26 billion. Oh, I guess they do. As of late 2018. So they cost them 0.0004%. Mm-hmm. Disney Plus, I think, is my favorite. <laughs> because they don't exist. Well, m- for many reasons, Hammett, not the least of which is they don't exist. But they cost them... <laughs> $16,500. Uh-huh. Disney is worth $52.2 billion. So they cost them 0.00003%. Man. And just like. Walt Disney's corpse is worth more than that. Oh my that God. Right just now. like the self satisfaction in this article I read about, like, we're really. St- and like, listen, it's 100% that One right. million. The three members of One Million Moms are more effective. <laughs> Than these people. And listen, like, I am making fun of these people a lot. They are, I'm, they're, of course, allowed to support or not support corporations <laughs> that bend to their values or don't, but fuck this, sm- like, they're smugger than the, atheists the, here. The smug guy at the center of this, his name is Marcus Pittman, and he said to one news outlet, uh, what liberal media and their stockholders can't ignore is a massive loss of money, which would be true if that were actually happening, which it's not. <laughs> I, my, oh, my God, my favorite. He said, you know, since he launched this website uh, at the time, this is like the day one of the petition. He said over 300 people have signed up and canceled Netflix. 
No, they said they, <laughs> they would. Said they All did. right, whatever. But he said that's just with our soft launch. Like that's thirty six thousand dollars a year. Netflix has lost just within my close circle of friends. Listen, as a guy in his mid thirties, there's no way you have three hundred friends. <laughs> Much less 300 close friends, much less a circle of these people. Like, if you said three of my friends have, Netflix has lost three of them, I would still be questioning your circle of friend number here. Yeah. Well, haven't, some people have more than one friend. No, I don't believe that for a second. None of you have friends. (laughs) My friend's coming over later. No, she's not. (laughs) I don't get you people who have friends, but there's no way this guy has 300 friends who are like yep and that it's just gonna spread i do from like there. that he calls it his close circle of friends that is a <laughs> wild accusation like i'm sorry <laughs> sir yeah. what are you talking I took about your survey we're not friends buddy <laughs> so and a soft lunch like it's i think it's just like <laughs> as if it's gonna get bigger right like just i think the self-serious nature of this is really what's tickling me like it's <laughs> And These I mean, I think of a sentence better than so far the campaign indicates that Netflix is losing $3,500 as $3,500. <laughs> I hate to break it to this guy when I tell him what a CEO bonus is in Netflix. <laughs> he is going to shit his little yeah. pants. Oh my God. Um, $3,500. So did we talk about Kenneth Copeland yet and uh, the televangelist guy? No. Okay. Kenneth Copeland, famous televangelist. He's been doing this for a long time. Very famous. I've definitely Um, heard of him. A few years ago, I had to double check. Was it like 2015? 2015. He got on, he was on one of his shows Uh with his buddy, and they were talking about how they fly private jets, these televangelists. Cool. Really relatable banter, guys. (laughs) And what, they were whining about their private jets. Oh, what's wrong? And the thing that Copeland said that was memorable in 2015 was that he doesn't want to fly in commercial planes anymore because that would involve flying in a, quote, long tube with a bunch of demons. (laughs) I mean, listen, he's not (laughs) wrong. Where's so the lie there, this is This is, he's like, I can't fly with those people, yeah. so the riffraff, so Neon I gotta get my masses. private, <laughs> so I gotta get my private jet, and it turned out Tyler Perry was selling his Gulfstream 5, which he, so Kenneth Copeland bought it, oh, and he's like, fortuitous. he actually Truly said later God's on, will. like, how could I not buy it when it's being sold for, I guess, as cheap as it was sold? Anyway, 2015, <laughs> this all happened, but uh, Inside Edition... <laughs> This uh, last month did an episode where they were like, let's expose this televangelist's wealth. Uh And it's like, dude, the story's four years old. But all right, Inside Edition, you do you. And Lisa Guerrero, the, the one of the reporters, like basically stopped Copeland as he was going in and out of one of his things. Like, so he's getting in a car and she's like, sir, with her camera crew, uh-huh. like answer some questions. And she's attractive. So Did Copeland. Did you say Copeland? Uh, Kenneth Copeland is oh. the pastor, not oh. the gymnast. Uh, ballet dancer. Ballet dancer, sure. So uh, Lisa Guerrero is attractive, and Kenneth Copeland oh. like was about to get back into his car, and then you see him like perk back up. He's like, <laughs> all right, I'll talk to you. Oh. And so anyway, she's asking questions and stuff of him, like, why do you need this jet, and why are you doing all this stuff? And what ended up, like, Inside Edition aired, like, a three- to four-minute segment on Televangelist. This interview was, like, two minutes long. But Whoa. here's some of the stuff... Uh, that came out of the short interview that he did. Like, um, is the jet important to your ministry? She asked, you know, do you need it? (laughs) That's such a good question. Yeah. And he's like, um, 
<laughs> he basically said, like, don't you ever say otherwise that I'm greedy or something. I would have to stop 65% of what I'm doing if he didn't have this plane. 65%? Yeah. She said, how much did you pay for the Tyler Perry Gulfstream 5 jet? Well, for example, that's really none of your business. For example? She asked, isn't it the business of your donors? He says, listen, he made that airplane so cheap for me, I couldn't help but buy it. And along the way in this three-minute clip, like... It was the facials. Oh, my God. The facial reactions are insane. Really? But, okay. So, last week... Uh-huh. So, that was it was an interesting thing. What happened is, like, three weeks after that segment aired, a 30 to 50 second clip of it where you see Copeland just getting visibly angry uh-huh. went viral on Twitter and Facebook and other places. And it's like, look at the crazy preacher with uh-huh. this televangelism stuff and the jet. Um, so... That was going crazy. Kind of funny. Yeah. But the interview happened like a month, it aired a month ago. Anyway, this week, Inside Edition said, here's the long form interview, like the, the raw really? footage, the 12 minute interview, even though we only showed you 30 seconds. Here's what he said in that clip that they didn't show in the segment. It takes a lot of money to do what we do. We have brought over, the latest figures just came out, 122 million people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Really? Yeah. Like, really? Wow. Give me some citations there. He says to Guerrero, I love your eyes. Yikes. Um, She says, do you use your private jets to go visit your vacation homes? Yes, I do. Oh. (laughs) She said, explain your demons, the long tube full of demons comment. He says, well, people get pushed in alcohol. Do you think that's a good place for a preacher to be and go prepare to go preach to a lot of people? Uh, When somebody's in there dragging some woman down an aisle, it made me so mad to see that on television. I assume he means like the rowdy United. I don't know. He's like, I wanted to punch the guy out myself. I can't be doing that while I'm getting ready to preach. You could not. You could punch not, somebody. Yeah. He also, I, I would say that's always an option. He also said punch. like that he's wealthy, but it's not because people give him money in the name of God. He oh. said, I also have a lot of natural gas on our property. Oh. Didn't know that, did you, baby? Ooh, <laughs> oh, yeah. No. <laughs> and he says, oh, and she says, now I do. Yeah, you do. Ain't that wonderful? And Guerrero says, it's wonderful for you. <laughs> oh, nice. my God. Nice shade. And then finally, uh, in the clip, he says justifying his wealth. If you go to the Old Covenant, do you think the Jewish people believed you should be broke? She says, are you saying that Jewish people appreciate money more than... And he cuts her off. They believe in wealth. So anyway, this is the long-form interview. So since then... This is the last week they are this thing, and the whole thing is damning. Since then, you have even other Christian televangelists, publishers, like, defending him oh, sure. on this indefensible stuff. So you had uh, James Robeson, who is an evangelical advisor to Trump, saying, like, he, his wife was watching this segment, and she, quote, wept so freely she could not watch till the end. Because they were attacking Copeland for his wealth. Poor guy. Uh, Charisma, the crazy publication that thinks witches are real. Uh, The publisher is named Stephen Strang. And he said, like, yeah, it is. The planes, they are like tubes full of demons. He said it is like a tube. It's very crowded. And, you know, he'd be speaking in a little bit of hyperbole. But there are people in those airplanes who are not spiritual. Oh. They serve alcohol. What? (laughs) He said, quote, there are demonic activities and an atmosphere of oppression on commercial flights that someone like Copeland simply should not have to endure as he's spreading the gospel. Because he's better. So that's one defense, but that's nothing compared to the defense 
from uh, Dr. Michael Brown, who is this Jew for Jesus type of messianic Jew <laughs> who said on Twitter, he's like, I'm just asking a question here. Oh, sure. So you know it's going to be good. I'm going to paraphrase because his tweet makes no sense. I'm going <laughs> to paraphrase what he's saying in good faith of what he's trying to say. He said, would it be okay for any Christian leader to fly somewhere instead of taking a bus? And I would argue, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably more expensive to fly depending mm-hmm. on where you're going, but like, but if you're traveling a long distance and it would take you a long time on a pl- uh, bus, mm-hmm. I get why you would spend a few extra bucks getting a plane ticket. Sure. I'm not, I've never heard anyone denouncing a preacher no. for using a plane when a bus would do, especially for a longer flight. So that's fine. So here's what Brown says. By extension, then, uh, why is it so wrong for him to use a private jet when he could fly commercial? Because that's more expensive. But, like, if money isn't the issue, then why are you mad at him? Because it's... No, the co- correct comparison, in my opinion, would be, why is he flying first class when he could be flying coach? Yeah. And it's like, okay, then we can have a discussion about, is it worth the, w- the upgrade fee or whatever? But someone actually did the math here. <clears throat> we don't know how much he paid for the plane, but on the well, low end, really cheap. On the low end, then it's about six million dollars. But it's probably like twelve or fifteen million dollars for the plane. Then, if you look at how much it costs to maintain a private jet, the low end is about seven hundred thousand dollars a year because you need a pilot, you need the maintenance costs, uh-huh. you need um, like gas. Yes, yeah, right. Is that how planes work? And so this is what the guy <laughs> said, like. Uh, this is from a website called Museum of Idolatry, which is kind of Christians uh, criticizing other Christians. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Stephen Kozar, the blogger there, said $700,000. That comes out to about almost $2,000 a day. Um, and that's on top of whatever it costs to buy the plane. Yeah. So Kenneth Copeland would have to buy a new ticket every day, $2,000, to make it worthwhile... To financially. Just, financially to justify it. That's without factoring in the cost of the plane. Like, no, like, so Michael Brown's argument that you don't actually care about the money, it's like, no, this is such a huge leap that yeah. you really do have to question the finances here because it's not about saving money for your ministry. That's right. Copeland's argument. He needs the jet to do the work he does yeah. because it would be crazy if he didn't have it. No, there is no justification for your ministry needing something that expensive right. when you could send your staff on a plane, fly first class if you want to, that would still do the trick and you wouldn't lose that much in the process. It would be cheaper to hire an extension of your ministry to work in Africa full time right. than for you to fly there back and forth. And by the way, let's take a side route to my summer home. Right. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, and I think for most people, it's why does a pastor or a priest have that have private jet money? I think that's <laughs> kind of the crux of it. It's like, are you like... I, I, I just I just think I mean obviously there's They a always lot of, justify it like, well, I'm doing all this work. My sure. ministry does so much I mean, good. You could do way more if you Yeah, I I think there's always a a um like we've learned that concentrated wealth is really bad. And at least people who are like CEOs or hedge fund managers or whatever are like blatant about like, yes, I like capitalism. I like making a lot of money. I have a lot of money. Right. But it it just seems really disingenuous for a priest or a preacher or a televangelist or whatever to be 
have that same lifestyle, but still preach like... Or, or to say, no, this isn't about greed. Our, my ministry does the work that justifies the money I take in. Yeah, I, I think bringing capitalism into religion is probably not going to get us anywhere particularly good. Yeah, so... <sighs> Good um, times. I have another money story. Yes. Um, the Catholic Church has, has money. Spe- has money. Mm-hmm. What? what? Has spent uh, $10.6 million to lobby against <laughs> abuse victims. Um, this is over the. <laughs> Say l- that again. To lobby against abuse victims. <laughs> so over the past eight years, the Catholic Church has spent uh, uh, $10.6 million in th- in just the Northeast U.S., um, to or the northeastern U.S. to fight legislation that would help victims of clergy sexual abuse seek justice. So really, really doing God's <laughs> there work. There are guys. all these states that are saying, like, look, we know now that all these people are coming out about how they were abused as kids by priests. Uh-huh. And one of the problems is they can't sue the church or the priest because the statute of limitations has expired. Right. So there's a lot of bills in a lot of these northeast states that just because that's the one they looked at here for this study. Yeah. Um. All these states are trying to pass laws that like extend the statute yeah. of limitations. So if you were abused as a child and you want to sue your abuser, it's okay if it's only been if it's ex- past five years ago or ten yeah, years or ago. Yeah, or one of them was you have to sue by the time you're 23, and, yeah. now, and they've increased it to 55. Like, right, it's like it's a like way that. to get justice in the way that the law didn't permit before, and that's what the Catholic Church is spending money for yeah. lobbyists to fight against. Because as if there's some allegation that, like, well, you shouldn't do this. There, here's the reasons why expanding the statute of limitations. Oh, they're covering their own ass. Like, oh, my God. Um, like, which even means, as a PR perspective from the nightmare. Catholic Church. Like, which means, which means, Hemant, that they think that this $10 million is a sacrifice they're willing to make because should these laws pass, it will cost them much, much more than that. Right. So that's... it's. I don't want to say it's an admission of guilt, but it's an admission of guilt. <laughs> like um, we would have to pay out so much to yeah, the victims. Don't like, do that to the church. And we'll just, we'll pay 10 million now and save ourselves a hundred million later. Yeah. Um, I want to highlight. More than half the money, by the way, was spent on lobbyists in Pennsylvania. Specifically in Pennsylvania is where that grand jury report really kicked everything yeah. off. Yep. Um, um, yeah. In Pennsylvania, been... they spent uh, 5.3 million. New York was next up. 2.9. Here's what I think is most interesting. <laughs> they spent $134,000 in New Hampshire despite no legislation being introduced. <laughs> like the other and ones, I, the only this, thing I wonder about that is did the church manage to stifle oh, that could legislation? Be. Could very well be. But in other states like New Jersey, they signed into oh, law yeah. the bill that would expand the statute of limitations. I don't know if there is six I'm just skimming. Yeah. I don't know if there's six, six, Successful anywhere. The Child uh, Victims Act signed into law. HB 962963 passed in April. Yeah, like some of these bills have passed one chamber but not the other, or they've passed but haven't been signed into law. But the and the thing is, you don't know what the reason for that is. If it's because of the lobbying from the church that stopped it from getting signed into law, or whether there was just look, a lot of bills get proposed and never passed because of a bunch of issues. We don't know, but what we do know is just looking at the numbers, they spent more than $10.6 million trying to stop these bills from passing. Yeah. 
And in some states, these bills didn't pass for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But the point is, the church is trying to stop victims from getting justice or trying to get justice because this is going to save them money in the long run. Yeah, and yeah, just according to this study, except for New Hampshire, all of the states at least have something active as of the time of this of this release. So they were spent a lot of money and so that's where your tithe money is going. Congratulations. Good job, team. (laughs) Um here is a new study about uh politics, democratic primary, and this is a study that came from Morning Consult. And basically what they said is among different groups of Democrats, who are you voting for? who do you prefer in the Democratic primary right now? And like, so for example, among Roman Catholics, guess which Democrat gets the biggest share of the Roman Catholic vote right now? Joe Biden, because he wins just about every poll right now. Best name recognition. Uh, It would be nice to go back to a time Uh like Obama was in office. Okay, fine. Not surprising. Atheists were the one group, Specifically atheists, not nuns. Uh-huh. Atheists was, were the one group where Joe Biden was not the number one person on the list. That tracks. Yeah. What? Who did they support? Who do atheists prefer more than Biden? Warren. No. What? Warren came Harris? in a close third to Biden's second. Harris? Oh, Sanders. Sanders. Uh, that was, yeah. So I, Bernie I, Sanders. To be honest, I forgot that Bernie Sanders existed for a second. <laughs> it's, it's about 27% of atheists support Bernie Sanders, prefer Bernie Sanders more than the other candidates. Sure. I think if I'm reading this correctly, uh, Elizabeth Warren's probably around 11%. Biden's maybe at 12. But like atheists are the only group where Sanders has is wins the plurality and Joe Biden is not in first place. And, and I kind of wonder like, okay, what is it that atheists see in Sanders then someone like Elizabeth Warren mm-hmm. or Pete Buttigieg. I get the Joe Biden thing because Biden's playing to the center and yeah. atheists are very much never at the center as a whole. Um, but I'm wondering, like, I mean, OK, as one of them, yeah. eh, the appeal for Sanders, I get it, but I don't love him more than some of the other candidates. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it I don't dislike him. Kind of tracks anecdotally to what I what I am aware of, but. His campaign, I will say, has probably done more than the others to openly talk about non-religious people, mm-hmm. but even they haven't really done it. It's more like they pay more lip service to us yeah. and talk about church-state separation. Right. And like, if I could tell something to the Warren campaign, it's like, there's no reason you can't do that. Right. Don't, don't play to atheists if it's going to hurt you. Right. But you could play to church-state separation and science and research and all that stuff. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, and I think also Sanders still has leftover momentum from 2016, which is probably, I'm curious to see how. I don't think it's going to last. I don't think so either. I think too many of his positions are just, I mean, he overturned his position on the Hyde Amendment in 24 hours uh, because the pressure got to him. (laughs) Yeah. And it's great that he changed his mind. But it's like, you have a lot of positions where you need to reverse course on. Right. And at some point, like, Elizabeth Warren's going to just come out with a, I got it right the first time. Yeah. Everyone in the debates are going to attack him for his positions. Do you want to talk a little bit about the Hyde Amendment so people know what you're talking about? The Hyde Amendment says no federal money can be used for abortion rights uh, on health care, that it involves abortion. No No taxpayer money, which basically shuts out, like... 
Planned Parenthood has to fend for itself. Right. They get money, but it's for like reimbursements for mammograms. Right. They can't get any money to help women who need abortions. And Elizabeth Warren and a lot of the other ones have said like, no, I want to get rid of that. I want to overturn it. If we have the votes, I want to do it. And Biden was like, no, I'm fine with it. Yeah. And everyone had rightly criticized him because it's a stupid amendment that shouldn't be there. It's a religious right amendment and he's fine with it. And then, like, a day later, he's like, uh, I changed my mind. What? Like, oh, I, I oh that Hyde Amendment. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. I heard an interesting take about Biden that, like, yeah, he's doing really well now, but it's hard to see a path that he <clears throat> is going to grow his base. Yeah. Like, who, like, if he, ha- he has, like, 100% which, recognition. Which Democratic primary voters are eager to jump on the Biden train right, like, right now? Like, He's got 100% name recognition, so yeah. that means everybody knows who he is. Yeah. And so people who have chosen, are chosen, choosing to support him... And so does Sanders, done, by the there's way. There's nowhere to grow. Same with Sanders. Like, I don't know that it's going to get bigger. Yeah. It'll only stay or get smaller. Yeah. But, like, this is where the Buttigieg bump comes in, because no one knew who he was, like, a year sure. ago. And so he can only go up. And I would argue, same with Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris... Um, I don't, Corey, this is funny. Cory Booker got probably the smallest amount of support among all the religious groups they looked at. Really? And that doesn't He's surprise ex- me at all because he is super liberal, super, but so is everybody yeah. in the private, like He's except really Joe religious. Biden. But he's super religious and he always talks about Jesus on the campaign trail yeah. as a progressive Christian. So I don't mind it. He's so, he's very much care. a, he's a church state separation, sure. but he talks about Jesus in every sentence. <laughs> like it's not winning him over. Here's what I don't get though. There is this opening where you have a voting base of nuns so atheists and then some who are not mobilized in an organized way, sure, but who theoretically could be, and literally none of these candidates are doing jack uh-huh. to try and make use of that, which would be helpful in a primary and certainly helpful in a general election because you know the evangelical right is motivated. Yeah, like though I don't get that the the far right. It seems like they do all this horrible stuff politically. But they're so good about voting. Oh, yeah. Um, I, th- I would think they are very cautious of appearing not, um, anti-religious in any way. That would be my guess. And that's, what, that's my argument. You don't have to be anti-religious. I don't need you advocating atheism oh, for, for sure. us. No, I agree with so you. So you but can like, easily say, and they're not doing it, though. Like, just talk about church-state separation and how yeah. everyone's religious views, you respect them. Yeah. But also, you're here on... Re- evidence-based policies. Right. And how... You could say that in a nice way. Well, and how church... And, and you can always spin it that church-state separation is good for both church right. and state. And, like, I haven't heard it enough. So, yeah. interesting. I, I'm very curious how that'll change as uh, the primary continues. Yep. This is a fascinating, crazy one for you. There is a district attorney in Tennessee, uh, Craig Northcott. He's the district attorney general for Coffee County, Tennessee, which is famous for being the home of Bonnaroo. And God. Uh, here's his thing. Like, he's been in the news. Why be- do you know what Bonnaroo is? Because um, I know some white people. <laughs> he said that Islam is evil and suggested that all Muslims are evil, too. Sure. Like, he's getting crap for that, as he should. But get this. There was a speech he made in 2018, more than a year ago, that only became public information like to the rest of us now. Like it wasn't hiding anywhere, but a news 
uh, news outlet yeah, found it. Yeah. They didn't even dig it up. Like, if you search the guy's name, it shows up. Oh, weird. So, like, but whatever. They're like, hey, did you guys hear what this guy said? And here's what he said. His argument, I'm going to paraphrase and then I'll quote it for you. His okay. argument is that um, the Christians that he was talking to at Schaefer Theological Seminary Bible Conference uh-huh. in 2018, he was saying, look, your votes matter. Um, and that as Christians, you need to vote your values and crap like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not surprising. Every politician says that. And he said, the marriage equality decision by the Supreme Court affects me as a district attorney. Oh. Now, how does it do that? How? Because what are you going to do? You like. Wait, can I guess? Yes, please. Affects him as a district attorney. Yeah, affects him on the job. On the job. So it would have to be something about him defending a gay couple close okay he's he's basically defending like the kim davis approach to politics which is i'm in a government role Uh but i'm a christian so you don't get a marriage license and and that's more important than my governmental role is my religion right and but here's what northcott said which is way worse oh no i think he said that and i'm gonna quote here what do i do with domestic assaults the reason that there's enhanced punishment on domestic violence is to recognize and protect the sanctity of marriage. So me punching you is bad, but me punching you when you're my wife is even worse from a legal standpoint. That's a terrible proposal. There you go. But it's like, I can if you prosecute domestic assault, okay. you get a bigger charge, a longer sure. punishment, a longer fine, a bigger fine, a longer stay in prison, whatever it is. So the question is, if you know that some guy punches out another guy, uh-huh. he can prosecute that as an assault, or if they're in a relationship, he can prosecute it as a domestic, domestic assault. assault. And he said, what do I do with domestic assaults? The reason that there's enhanced protection on domestic violence is to recognize and protect the sanctity of marriage. And I said, there's no marriage to protect. Oh. So I don't prosecute them as domestics. Oh. So if two gay guys Holy in a relationship, shit. one of them's abusive to the other, he prosecutes it as an assault but not a domestic assault because he doesn't buy the label domestic as it applies to a gay couple. That is an astoundingly bad take. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it. That's, he's basically Wait, saying to the victim of that as a crime, to the victim of that abuse, I'm not going to prosecute your attacker because eh, you're gay and you were married to the guy as opposed to a stranger who attacked you. Like, I have a question. Yeah. Can we go back to his premise? That the reason that we prosecute domestic assault... (laughs) Is to recognize and protect the sanctity of marriage. Yeah. Which I don't believe is in any of the things. I don't think that's how it works. Isn't it just because it's like you can't escape this person if they're your partner? I actually don't know why. I don't know what the reason is. I don't... Somebody's a lawyer. I would find it hard to believe that in the writing of why domestic assault gets a bigger punishment, it's, it's, well, we need to preserve marriage. Because the person needs to stay in the abusive relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. That wasn't his concern, that, like... (laughs) But again, this is basically saying, like, it's not even... I'm not going to defend them because they're gay, which I almost would understand at this point, because that's what conservative Christians do. But he's like, no, 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 I will fight for their right as a victim of violence mm-hmm. in court, but if the abuser was their gay husband, I'm gonna lessen the charge on this guy. That's like not dude, great. super not great. And now here's the thing: he said that rhetorically. Uh-huh. I we don't know if he's actually acted on that. We don't know if there's any evidence that someone came to him and said, oh. "I was attacked by my husband, and I'm a guy," and then he didn't 
prosecute them for domestic assault and he sure. did simple assault instead. We don't know if he's done that. Uh-huh. The, the out, media outlets, newspaper reporters have not found any example of that. Uh-huh. So it's all hypothetical, but it is disturbing. Mm-hmm. Same thing about his comment about Islam. Islam is evil, therefore like Muslims are evil. We don't know if there's any proof that he's treated Muslims differently through his job. Yeah. So like, yeah, condemn him for the things he says, but we don't know if this guy has done it. Because if he's done it, now you can make a case he shouldn't be in that job anymore. Right. Um, so that's a question that we don't know the answer to yet. It's interesting. So. Oh. Um, I have another homophobic thing. Please. Um, so there is a gentleman named Mark Chambers. He's the uh, mayor of Carbon Hill, Alabama. Um, he is uh, posting memes on Facebook, which is cool. Yes. Um, the one... In question, he posted a like really stupid looking like it's not a meme. It's just a, <laughs> it's just a picture of words. Yes. And like ugh. anyway, we live in a society where homosexuals lecture us on morals, transvestites nope lecture us on human biology, baby killers lecture us on human rights, and socialists lecture us on economics! Exclamation point. These um, are all supposedly bad things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Did I not read it with the proper <laughs> with the proper tone? Um, which is, I'm going to say, not great on its face. Just yeah. that in particular, super, super not good. So he posted that image. Posted that image. Somebody commented, by giving the minority more rights than the majority. Oh, that was a oh, that was a complete sentence. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that was my, why my weedy, reading was yeah. weird. Uh, Which, by the way, we don't... It's The fight's always for equal rights, not special rights. Uh Uh-huh. I hate to think the country my grandkids will live in unless somehow we change, and I think that will take a revolution. So some random person... Yeah, just a rando. Oh, man, we need to do a revolution to stop this stuff. Mark Chambers, again, the mayor of a town in Alabama. The only way to change it would be to kill the problem out. I know it's bad to say, but without killing them, killing them out, there's no way to fix it. Yeah. So Should his I talk answer, about his grammar? Is that, am I missing the point uh, if I talk about his grammar? Yeah. Okay. He's a mayor who doesn't know periods or space <laughs> bars or English. Um, so basically, it's a not-so-subtle threat to say the only way to solve the problem of, I guess, gay people having equal rights uh-huh. is, is to kill them. Kill them out. My favorite thing about this, there was a news station. You have uh, a favorite thing? I do. WBRC, Fox 6 News. They contacted him about Uh the statement. Here's the order that I pieced together from what happened. They asked him, like, hey, why did you say you're going to, you want to kill gay people? That's their premise. He says he lied about making the comment. Oh. Which he did. Got a screen grab, bud. Got the receipts. Then he hung up on the reporter. Ooh, good luck. stupid. And by the way, she has her phone out on speaker and the camera's on her (laughs) as she's reporting. (laughs) He hung up on her. Then he called back to say his comments were taken out of context. I don't know if that's They were true. not. Then he denied saying anything about killing gay people, which he totally he did. did. He just read it. Then he said he was only about t- killing gay people in a revolution, if that situation ever came to be. Sure. Then he blamed Facebook for making that public... <laughs> As okay. if he doesn't under he's an old guy who doesn't know well, how Facebook Well, because he started, works. no, I didn't say it. Yes, I said it. <laughs> but it's Facebook's fault for letting people know right. I said it. And then after all On this all public that, forum. After all that, he changes settings to private so no one can oh. see his... Bi- <laughs> yeah. So I didn't, in, in that long winding yeah. road that we took to get his, his Facebook changed to private, I didn't hear an apology, no, actually. No, there's no apology. No. Because obviously he was just 
being ironic or say, uh, I don't know how it works. No. I don't know what the new excuse is for when you say that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I work <laughs> in irony. Th- that's not how this read to me. <laughs> also, only by the way, when he, I looked up this guy's campaign website from when he ran for mayor, he said he was running for office because Carbon Hill, the city, was not going in a positive direction. That doesn't mean anything. And here's this guy. Yeah, he hates liberals. Um, Can I be really petty for a second? And this is not even about grammar. Um, This screen grab was, like, you know, you can see when the comment was made. So at the time of the screen grab, it was three days old. Guess how many likes it got? How many? One. Aww. (laughs) It's so embarrassing. The mayor doesn't even have anyone liking his face. (laughs) It's so embarrassing. (laughs) <laughs> just like a boomer screaming into the wind <laughs> doesn't realize it's public <laughs> oh like God. maybe that's why he didn't know it was public because nobody's ever read or commented anything he's written so he's like i guess nobody can see in it his close circle of 300 <laughs> friends uh they're all like sure we're friends like no i there are plenty of people on facebook i'm friends with but really I'm just keeping tabs. Um, I just got to know like what people are once doing. Once every six months, you say that you had dinner with friends last week. So, like, I know you have some friends. That's a lie. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to slander you on our show. <laughs> um, Get this. In West Virginia, so we, before we move on from the Catholic Church, there's a bishop. West Virginia has one diocese because it's a smaller state. Uh-huh. has one diocese. The bishop, his name was Michael J. Bransfeld. And the Washington Post somehow got a hold of documents, which you never see in situations like this, okay. talking about where their money went. Whoa! Yeah, and what they found is that this guy, Bransfeld, spent millions of dollars on personal travel and gave gifts, like $350,000 worth of presents to different people, including priests. Why don't I have any friends who and they just re- the church just reimbursed him for like all of this no shit. shit. Some of those priests are one who have accused him of harassing him, <gasps> them, and he's like, "Here, take a present. Shut up." Yeah, and like some of the gifts were like fifteen thousand dollars. In the records that they have, like, you could see that the names of 11 leaders who received money from him were edited out of the document at the request of the archbishop overseeing the investigation into this, whose name is William Laurie. Uh, By the way, one of those checks for $10,500 went to William Laurie. Oh, no! Yeah. Oh, buddy. And like here, the some of the crazy you told stuff. You on yourself, William. Some of the stuff he spent money on. Uh, he spent two point four million dollars on travel. I'm quoting here: much of it personal, which included flying in charter jets, staying in luxury hotels. They spent nearly a thousand dollars a month on alcohol. Oh. Uh, he needed thousand dollars a month on alcohol. You spend two dollars on the wine bottles, and they're fine. Um, I buy $16 wine boxes like a lady. Thank you. Um, they also said his church residence, paid for by the church, right? Uh-huh. Uh, there was a fire, and it damaged one bathroom, oh, so he no. needed to fix up that bathroom, sure. which, okay, fine. Guess how much the church gave him, the diocese gave him for those renovations. I say a bathroom should cost like 
eight to ten thousand dollars. Four point six million dollars. <laughs> if you tell me it's a half bath, I'm gonna die. <laughs> and I don't have this in front of me. He also got money for flowers for like bring me flowers to my house every day, like a Valentine's Day flower bouquet delivered to my house every That's day, like a hundred dollar bouquet every day for years. Years. I've never like it costs to- more than a hundred thousand dollars in delivered flowers. I pay thirty dollars <clears throat> a month to get my contacts delivered to my house, and it feels like the height of luxury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they like this guy spent all that money. He was removed from his position following the sexual Why? harassment allegations, not because of the article. They said the finances had to do with why he was removed. Not the harassment, Uh but the finances. But, like, it's only now that we figured out what the finance situation was. Oh, my God. So kudos to the Washington Post for getting that document. But holy shit, that's where your tithe money is going. Cool. Who knew? Um, I have one more hilarious one. Oh, good, because I have two more happy stories, too. You go first. Okay. My favorite thing, and it happened a week ago. I've been waiting all week to tell you this. Oh my goodness, and all show. I know. Uh, the creationists at Answers in Genesis, they've done it before, but they did it again. Uh, Ken Ham posted something on the AIG website, uh-huh. basically saying, we have a new video out. It's some of our PhDs who work for us, and they have this whole video denouncing the idea of a flat earth because it's stupid. And you're thinking like, yeah, wow, you got one right this time. And he's like, you should all watch the film because they denounced the flat earth. But in the post, he's basically saying, we've thoroughly researched the... Because a lot of flat earthers use the Bible to justify their position. He's like, we've thoroughly researched the supposed biblical and scientific pieces of evidence presented in favor of such a wrong view. It simply isn't taught in scripture, and the science doesn't support it. Although, sadly, many Christians are being convinced by cherry-picking data that only shows part of the whole story, and it's totally out of context. Dude, you're a creationist. The creationists are mad at the flat earthers for misusing science and misreading the Bible. It's the greatest thing it's ever. It's so impressive when they do that. <laughs> the total lack of self-awareness for anyone who works for Ken Ham is incredible. That's extremely funny. Oh, my God. I like that a whole lot. <laughs> wow. And, like, I, I, want, <laughs> I want Ken Ham to watch his flat earth video because maybe it'll trigger something in himself. Because yeah. everything he's saying about them, we've said about him. Oh, my God. I'm so happy about this. <laughs> I do like the infighting, the creationist infighting. I, I always find to be extremely fun for me. Oh. That's very good. Um, There's, by the way, no updates on the lawsuit that involves the flooding insurance. Oh. I've been looking. There's no updates yet. Sure hope that doesn't come out of their <laughs> big profit margin. Yeah. Um, some good news. Nevada decriminalized abortions. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It passed through the Nevada Assembly a couple weeks ago. Um, but in, as a reminder, the Nevada State Assembly is a majority of women. Anyway, that went to the governor's desk. He just signed it into law. So some good news in the good. Uh, a little lighthouse in the storm These of this year. These were laws year. that were in the books that they're getting rid of. Mm-hmm. Um, and reading just, it says it's going to remove punishments for people who seek an abortion. Mm-hmm. It's going to remove punishments for doctors. It protects women who use birth control. Good. Yeah, cool. 
and then last, this is just a really nice, wholesome story. There is a man from San Diego. His name is uh, Jawandeep Soli. S-O-H-L-I. Coley. With, with a C? Did with I a K. With a K? Oh, Coley. I'm brown. I can read Ks. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, anyway, he posted a picture um, of himself. So he's a Sikh, so he's wearing a turban, and he did this, like, dope pride flag turban, and it looks amazing. I'm sure Hammond will post a link to it. It, it I mean, I don't know. It's a rainbow turban. It's a rainbow turban. It's so cool. Um, and he posted... Quote, I'm proud to be a bisexual, bearded, baking brain scientist. I feel fortunate to be able to express all these aspects of my identity, and I will continue to work towards ensuring the same freedom for others. Um, on tying on the turban, he said he made it himself um, from one of his normal black turbans and supplemented it with strips of other colors in exactly the right places. It took an hour of tying, untying, and safety pinning, but totally <laughs> worth it. Anyway, I, it's just very wholesome. The picture makes me super happy. And I think Obama retweeted it too. Did he? Yeah. Oh, that's great. And said great. it was a good thing. Oh, I did find one more thing. Oh, just uh, na- just when I was talking. Just when I was talking before I forgot. Um, there's one more story. Because it shows you just how messed up some of these, like, conservative Christians can be. John Piper is a preacher we've talked about before. He's a Calvinist. He thinks you're all depraved and, like, just oh, uh-huh. you're all doomed. So might Not as well wrong. accept Jesus. But here's the, the tweet that his people sent through his ministry's uh, account. God disciplines only those he loves. Uh-huh. If he makes us weak, he's loving us. If he makes us ill... He's loving us. Even if he takes our life, he's loving us. So if I'm successful, God hates me? Probably. But like replace God with anyone's name. Yeah, that's right. And it's like that's, that's rough that's, going. That's not how you talk about anyone who hurts you like that. Stay away. Ugh. Oh man. That's bad. Um, I'm done. You're done? I saw, did you watch the Netflix series When They See Us? No, not yet. The Central Park Five one? Yes. Not yet. Um, Mikey and I watched it this week. It was extremely hard to watch, um, but I would recommend it. After It's four episodes. They're all between an hour and an hour and a half. Um, and after the first one, I was clinging to my dog and told her that she's the only good thing in this world. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would... I think it's a very, very tough watch. I think it's a really important one. Um, I would recommend it. it and it's really, it, I thought it was very interesting to watch the whole thing play out. Um, yeah, it was. These are people Trump said oh, they should be put to death. Yeah, I guess I should explain. I, I'm sure people who know the They were accused of rape. Yeah, um, in, in 1989, um, a woman was was raped and left for dead. Um, the uh, and, and at that same point in the park, there was like a group of, like black and Hispanic kids who were like roaming around and like causing mischief and the, um, but not raping anybody, but not raping anybody. Um, and they somehow found five kids whom they pinned this crime on, despite the fact that the physical evidence didn't support it. Their stories didn't match each other or what actually happened. Um, they were held by detectives without parental consent or supervision for up to 48 hours, beaten, starved until they said what they wanted. In some cases, the parents said, just give them what they want. They won't let up. Um, They all got convicted. um, And then just a few years ago, they were released when the actual murderer or the actual rapist admitted it. Um, It's, it's very difficult to watch. The language is really troubling. Um, There's a lot of like subtle, not so subtle, but like 
you know, these animals did this thing really dehumanizing these, these like 14, 15, 16 year old kids. Um, Ooh, it was, t- it, it was, it's, it's very good and it's very difficult, but I think, um, important. As saying a show is important, is that like the peak white? <laughs> Sing a Netflix <laughs> show is peak white. Anyway, um, what do you have going on? Anything this weekend? Any good things you want to talk about? Um, next week, if you are in Chicago on Tuesday night, uh, we mentioned this last week, Andrew Seidel, who is an attorney for the Freedom From Religion Foundation, he just wrote a book about the myth of Christian nat- nationalism, that oh, we live yeah. in a Christian nation. So he's doing a talk downtown. Um, look it up. It's on his Twitter feed. I'll post a link to it. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing the thing. Jerry Coyne is going to be asking him questions. Should cool. be a good event. Uh, if you're around town Tuesday night, come on by. Maybe I'll tag along. Come on Mikey's going to be out of town all next week. Do it. And Do it. I, unlike you, need human interaction. What? <laughs> it's overrated. Um, I um actually so and uh, I am oh, going whoop, whoop. to I'm going to uh, start recording the new podcast. Oh yay! Yay! I got my Patreon or not Patreon my Kickstarter updates about how good you're doing. I'm very happy <laughs> for you. We're all done. It was raised. That's awesome. Thank you, everybody. Um, I recently um dropped the prices in my Etsy shop. I'd raised them for a while because I had no downtime. Um, and so I raised them. So if I didn't have to do as much work, um, but I just dropped them. So if you want a cool feminist um, cross stitch or I have some of my favorite murder stuff, true crimey stuff, check it out. I do a lot of custom work and most of my custom work I get through uh, listeners. So if you have a weird thing, I made some, oh, I wish I looked this up and knew her name. I made somebody um, a cross stitch because she and her partner had just watched Heather's. So I made a cross stitch that says "fuck me gently" with a with a chainsaw and oh, a God. image of a chainsaw. It was dope. Anyway, um, yeah, I guess that's it. You can follow me on Twitter at blueberry b l u e b u r i e. You can follow me on Instagram if you'd like. What? It's also blueberry, but it's spelled differently because oh, I never Come thought on. I never thought anybody would give a fuck. Um, it's Blueberry with a Y, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-Y. Blueberry with a Y was taken on on Twitter when I tried. It was like my, shut up. Uh, um, <laughs> but anyway, you can follow me there. Although, uh, honestly, it's mostly just the same shit I post <laughs> to Twitter. I'm not a keen photographer. Um, 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 donate to our Patreon if you want to support the work that we're doing. Um, Patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, email us at friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com if you want to talk to us. We read all of them and post a review on iTunes. Oh, right. I keep checking because you know my favorite hobby is to post about mean reviews of me uh, <laughs> and like take screen grabs of them. Um, unfortunately, they've all been really kind, so I haven't <laughs> been able to indulge that particular uh, hobby of mine. Um, anyway, we will talk to you next week. Bye.